Hello, I am your host, Julian Rushbrook, and as I look over to the calendar, I see that it's Wednesday, the History Hump Day. Okay, so I'm not actually speaking live on Wednesday, but you know. Welcome to A History Most Queer. I hope that all of you aficionados of queer history and culture are having a fantastic month of May. In the United States, May is Asian and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So, to honor the history and cultures of Asia and broadly the Pacific in general, I thought we could highlight some queer historical figures from that part of the world, or whose ancestors come from that part of the world. This week, we'll examine a couple, the Han Emperor Ai and his lover, Dong Xian. Both of these men were real historical figures, but certain aspects of their history can also bleed into the realm of myth. So strap into your DeLorean or TARDIS because we're about to jump way back into the past, crossing over that AD BC changeover, or BC CE changeover. I use both, so don't sue me. Emperor Ai was a ruler of the Han Empire, one of several kingdoms that comprise modern-day China. He was born, Lu Xin, in 25 BCE, and was in many ways not supposed to ever become the ruler. His reign would only last a few years, and his legacy would be one of corruption and dereliction of duty. I swear, I'm gonna get around to some queer people who, who, who do their job right, but this is why we have presidents now in most countries and not kings and queens, because sometimes they just don't do a good job. Anyway. Um, his reign would only last for a few years, as I said. Um, but all of the problems that he dealt with cannot be placed solely on his shoulders. The Western Han Dynasty had been on the decline for some time by the point that he acceded to the throne. I would be the third to last emperor of this dynasty, to be replaced after an interregnum period with a new Eastern Emperor. But that's jumping ahead a bit. Let's, let's go back. I was preceded on the throne by his uncle, Chang, who ruled from 33 to 7 BCE. As mentioned before, the dynasty had slowly but steadily been declining, as elements within Chang's family, specifically the Wang clan, his mother's family, were jockeying for greater positions of power within the realm. His mother, Empress Xiaoyan, or Empress Wang, would be important, an important influence during the reigns of five emperors. Sadly, her dependence on her clan would drain authority from the emperors and is what helped to contribute to the dynasty's ultimate collapse. Two other women would be a part of her husband's life, the consorts Fu and Feng Yuan. These other women would also bear sons for the emperor. 
She was cordial with these other women, but eventually, drama would happen later when the question of succession would arise. When her husband died and her son, Chang became emperor, her title changed to Grand Dowager Empress. As the emperor's mother, she had a great deal of influence on affairs in the realm, and had her five brothers elevated to great positions. They became known as the Five Vassals, and it was they and the Dowager Empress who wielded actual power, while her son, the Emperor, was all but a figurehead. Now, Emperor Chang was a bit of a womanizer, and would have an Empress and multiple concubines, but none of these women ever had children to succeed him. Again, a succession question hung in the air. Chang looked at two men, his younger brother, Prince Lu Xing, and his nephew, Lu Xin. In the end, it was viewed by all that Lu Xin was the best choice to succeed Chang. This was due to him being seen as more capable. Upon visiting his uncle in the capital city, Chang'an, the 18-year-old greatly impressed his uncle with his scholarship in law and his extensive knowledge of Confucianism. Another enduring aspect to the, to the young Lu Xing was when his uncle elevated him to be the crown prince, he refused to live in the palace of the crown prince, stating that he was here in this capital to serve the emperor until he had a natural heir to succeed him. It was not only the actions of the young crown prince that secured his future reign, but also the machinations of his grandmother, Consort Fu. Remember her? She was busy ingratiating herself to other noble clans by giving them expensive gifts. It would probably be called bribery today, and in the end, her efforts and money basically helped to buy the crown for Lucian. Fu would be rewarded soon enough, as she was elevated from just being a consort to becoming Princess Dowager upon the death of her husband, Lu Kong. Her social climb was not finished. Lu Shen would be married to a woman, but it's likely that the marriage was never even consummated. The records list her as uh, Empress Cao Ai, but her name prior to her husband becoming emperor is unknown. Little is known about her life, but after her husband's death, she would be demoted from the position that she would have received as Dowager Empress to that of a commoner. With no support in the imperial court, she killed herself in despair. Emperor Chang died in the year 7 BCE. Historians argue over whether it was a stroke that claimed the life of Chang, or perhaps more scandalously, if he was actually poisoned by ingesting too much of an aphrodisiac given to him by one of his consorts. I suppose if it were the 21st century, death by Viagra would not be the worst way to go. Lucien now would get a great name change becoming Emperor Ai. The Grand Dowager Empress, Wang, would still be quite influential but a rival was there in the form of the emperor's grandmother, consort Fu. With Ai now on the throne, the power of the Wang clan 
started to slowly but surely be pulled away from them. The Wangs would eventually have revenge, but that's for a little bit later in the story. And now we need to take a look at the other half of the romantic couple, and that is Dong Shen. He would rise from being a minor official and become the Prime Minister, the most powerful person in the Empire, after the Emperor himself. The historian Suma Qian, a palace eunuch, writing a little more than a century or so before the birth of Ai, in the records of the Grand Historian, a work of history that dates back from the Yellow Emperor to Emperor Wu, a span of about 2,000 years. He said, it's not women alone who can use their looks to attract the eyes of the ruler. Courtiers and eunuchs can play that game as well. Many were the men of ancient times who gained favor in this way. And his quote, it matches up with the historical record. All ten of the previous emperors to I had male lovers. Other upper-class men likewise openly had romances and sexual liaisons regardless of gender. Any stigma on same-sex relationships would enter China either with the introduction of Buddhism, the Mongols, or Western modernization. And that modernization has very heavy quotation marks around it. Historians differ on which of these were the cause of the cultural homophobia that exists at present in more modern and contemporary uh, China. Perhaps it's a combination of all three forces that changed the social mores around this. Dong Xian was born in 22 BCE. He was married, although no name seems to be recorded for his wife. They did have at least one child. Again, that information is lost to time about whether there were any others or what the name of the child is. Dong Xian would start his career in imperial politics as a secretary, but soon enough, the handsome young man would attract the eye of Emperor Ai. By the year 4 BCE, Dong would rise from a secretary to direct the imperial equine operations. Anywhere that the emperor went, his favorite Dong would follow. Dong's family would even live in the palace. Ai would shower his lover with jewels, and even had a palace built right near his own imperial palace. The jewels were so grand that the young Dong Xian dressed more elaborately than his higher-ranking lover. Perhaps the most famous story of the two men's love was on one occasion in which the two were sleeping together. This was not at all uncommon. Dong Xian rarely did not share the emperor's bed. On this one particular occasion, I awoke to find that Dong was still heavily sleeping, his head upon the long silk sleeve of the emperor's robe. I was so enamored with his lover that he could not bear to wake Dong, and so he took a knife and cut the sleeve from his robe, leaving his lover to continue his slumber. From that point on, the phrase cut sleeve would be shorthand for homosexual romance. Even today, the term is still in use to describe gay men. It is an incredibly touching and enduring tale, but the romantic calm of that moment would not always exist for the pair. 
Now, I don't know if the story is actually true or not, but it's really romantic and I kind of love it. Now, in the early years of Ai's rule, it would look as though the Western Han's decline was about to turn around. Expenditures were lowered, saving a lot of money. On top of that, one of the failings of his uncle Chang was reversed, namely the delegating of power to members of the Wang clan. A great deal of power was reconsolidated under his control. Human rights victories were also considered, with involuntary servitude, or slavery, <laughs> to be ended, and a cap placed on the number of servants that each rank on the social ladder was allowed to have. This advance was blocked, however, when news of it leaked to the members of the nobility who were not too pleased with the idea of having their power over servants curtailed. Instead, a compromise was reached wherein servants would be granted their freedom from their obligations at the age of 50, assuming they made it that old. The outlook at the beginning of his reign, that things were going to turn around, was quickly dashed as the intrigue of the empresses created further strife. Empress Wang had done her best to place a ceiling on the rise of Emperor Ai's grandmother, Fu. The title of Princess Dowager had rubbed her the wrong way. She was very comfortable with being the Grand Dowager Empress and did not like the idea of former rivals for her affection inching their way closer to sitting where she was on the social ladder. With a great deal of her family having lost their positions of power, Wang had to do what she could to hold on to whatever power she and her family had. In the end, no matter how influential she was, the Emperor had the ultimate power in the land. He wanted to reward his grandmother. It was, after all, her efforts to position her grandson such that his natural talents would win over his uncle's approval to succeed him to the throne. So, Empress Wang was put into a bind and thought that perhaps she was being too precious about her title. So she posthumously invested his father, the Emperor's father that is, with the strange title of Emperor Gong of Ding Chao. With this now deceased father possessing the rank of Emperor, it was only right that his mother become a Dowager Empress. One more step was made, and the Princess Dowager Fu became herself a Dowager Empress, despite having never been married to an Emperor. One of the members of the Wang clan that stayed in power was Wang Meng, a nephew to the Dowager Empress Wang. He was kept on as the commander of the armed forces. In just a short time, however, he would resign. At an imperial banquet, he was offended that the Dowager Empress Fu was seated in a similar place of honor to the Grand Dowager Empress Wang. He had her seat removed, and Fu was furious. The blowback from the Emperor's grandmother was only soothed by Wang Meng stepping down as head of the military. Although I wanted to keep the man in that position, the volatile situation at court 
between the competing empresses needed to be calmed. He accepted reluctantly Wang Meng's resignation. Empress Fu started to fill positions that had been vacated by Wang clansmen by members of her own Fu clan, as well as members of the Ding clan. Fu now felt that her title of Dowager Empress was just a bit too shabby, at least for her liking. Her rival, Wang, had the word grand stuck right there at the beginning, elevating her just that one step higher than she was. Likewise, the title of Ding Tiao at the end of hers and Ai's father's titles was just not good enough. She wanted it all. Grand Dowager Empress, with no qualifiers. I'm sure that if she had her way, she would have found some way to maneuver her title to sit just a step above the man of the hour, Empress Ai, Emperor Ai himself. Perhaps Super Duper Grand Dowager Empress would have quenched her ambition. Even members of her own clan were starting to look at her naked ambition with a heavy amount of side-eye. A cousin, Fushi, was removed from his newly bestowed position and sent away for daring to question the woman's rise. Emperor Ai acquiesced, and Empress Fu was created Grand Dowager Emperor, or Empress. His own mother was likewise made a Grand Dowager Empress. There were now a total of four living Dowager Empresses, and each receiving the incomes to run households that were demanded for such a high position. So it looked as though all that earlier cost-cutting at the beginning of Ai's reign had come to an end. While the ambitious rise of his grandmother raised many an eyebrow in the court, it paled in comparison to the rise of his lover, Dong Xian. Initially a secretary, the young man soon found himself the master of equine matters, as mentioned before. But it didn't end with that. Dong's father and sister were given titles and positions in the court. Anyone who questioned the emperor's wisdom in regards to these hasty promotions was severely punished. His lover, his lover was soon enough given the title of Marquess of Gao'en. This caused the Prime Minister to write to the Emperor begging for restraint with all of these investitures. To protect himself, he worded it in such a way as to appeal to the protective nature of Ai. After all, if Dongxian was raised any further, it might put him in danger. In 2 BCE, the Grand Dowager Empress died, ending her ambitious climb. That same year, I promoted his lover once again, now to being commander of their armed forces, a position that Wang Meng had stepped down from due to the conflicts with the now deceased Empress Fu. The various officials of the Fu and Ding families, like the Wangs before them, now were one by one replaced with members of the Dong family. Dong Xian was given greater lands, and it seemed that the meteoric rise of the handsome and very young 22-year-old commander of the armed forces would only continue. At first it would, he would finally become prime minister. Where else could the young man go now? 
Like his lover's grandmother, the position of emperor was about the only thing he lacked. Now, for a few years, I had been having poor health. In the end, the unknown illness would claim the life of the emperor at the age of only 24 years. He and his wife had no children, but I had a plan for that. On his deathbed, he proclaimed that his successor would be none other than Dong Xian. He knew his end was near, and the man who had stolen his heart was about to be given the ultimate inheritance, the throne to one of the most powerful nations on earth. When I did finally die, his ministers ignored all of that mess. They had absolutely no intention of crowning Dong Xian, a man with no real royal connections, to the highest position in the land. Likewise, the Grand Dowager Empress was not about to see her own power again be stripped away by another commoner. Upon hearing of the news of the Emperor's death, Wang rushed immediately to the palace to secure the royal seal. Without it, there would be no way for Dong to officially become Emperor. Once he arrived, she booted Dong from his position as commander of the armed forces and reinstalled her nephew Wang Mang, having him act as regent for the new emperor, Peng, a 13-year-old cousin of the now-deceased Ai. Despite having always been at the emperor's side, Empress Wang charged Dong Xian with failing to attend to his emperor, and he was impeached. He and his wife took their own lives after this. In the end, it was a great tragedy. Two lovers, both so young, at only 24 and 22 years of age, were dead. Their families were disgraced, the Dongs all being exiled, the Fus having been removed by Ai himself to accommodate the Dong family. Would that be the end of all of this mess? Sadly, no, it would not. The young Emperor Ping would only reign for a few months. He had suffered from a heart condition, but it was not that which would claim the teenaged emperor's life. Wang Meng had poisoned the wine of the youth, and so in the year 6 CE, he died, and Wang Meng was again the regent to a young emperor, this one the infant Ruzai. That child would never actually reign, though, as Wang Meng would eventually himself become emperor, but only for a short time. Apparently, in ancient Han China, it was not so good to be the king. And so ends the story of the cut sleeve, the romance and tragedy of Emperor Ai of Han and Dong Xian. Whether the cut sleeve incident in fact is fact or fiction is inconsequential. The romance of the whole affair is something that I personally find to be charming. I've been there myself, awake before a beautiful sleeping man and not wanting to disturb him. Now, I didn't take a pair of scissors to a silk garment. I didn't have that kind of income. I still don't have that kind of income. At most, I just tried to get out of bed without shaking the poor guy too much. I highly doubt that that could be spun into a euphemism for queer love. Oh well. 
So what do you think? Let us know by sending an email to ahistorymostqueer at gmail.com. And you can even send us a message via Instagram. Just come by and visit A History Most Queer. I'll have images there of this week's and all of the previous week's subjects. You can put a face now to Dong Xian and Emperor Ai. I'd love to hear from you, and if you have comments, criticisms, or suggestions, please let us know. This has been A History Most Queer, your favorite source of LGBTQIA historical nuggets. I'm Julian Rushbrook, wishing, wishing you a wonderful rest of your week. I hope to capture your ears again next week. Bye-bye. Woo! <laughs>